BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Welcome back. I'm the great and powerful mystery. I'm the interdimensional giant Jay. And together we are Cribs of the Corn podcast, where scientific thinking and magical thinking combine. Boom, boom, boom. Are you the magical one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm full science. Oh, yeah. To the book. Flatworms. Flatworms. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know what that has to do with anything. Do you even know what flatworms are? Yeah, the worms are flat. Do you even lift, bro? No. I know. <laughs> Neither do I. You can tell. You don't lift or I don't lift? Well, I guess me. I think both of us, you can tell. Never. We're both. No, I'm a mountain climber, remember? You? Yeah. Yeah, Sean. Sean I think Sean knew your calling. Yeah, I'm going to have to start practicing it. look like a little red-headed goat. Okay. I can see that. All right. Before we get into today's episode and topic... We're going to cover some uh, front of house stuff. We're going to start doing more. I know we started doing it a long time ago and kind of got away from it, but we're trying to get back into it. We're back. Um, Patreon's going good. Uh, yep. I'm going to, we have a new member, but I'm going to announce all our members again. You know, Patreon shout outs. Uh, we have Nick, we have Rachel, we have Sean, we have Andrew, and we have Ralph. I'm not doing any last names because I didn't have permission. <laughs> well, so, there you go. <laughs> Simple but, enough. But yeah. thank you guys. Thank you guys for supporting us. And that's how. We get closer to making this a either a part-time or a full-time thing instead of a hobby. Right. Um, but it's getting closer every day. We just cracked, when this when we're recording this, not when this comes out, but when we're recording this, we just cracked 10,000. And we'll, yeah. Woo. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And actually, I think by the time this gets out, we'll be at 11,000. Oh. <laughs> uh we're pretty much already halfway there. We got to use a button more too. Oh, I'm going to actually reprogram them. I just got. Oh, that's going to figure that out. That's going to give us our next shove. The but, fifteen thousand. I mean, we're not far off. It's crazy how fast it's picking up. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we did this. I think Sunday we. What's today? Today's only Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Oh. Saturday we cracked ten thousand, and we're at ten uh, ten thousand five hundred today. All right. So we did five hundred three days. Well, it's season two, baby. It's season two. The, I'm telling. Oh, so uh, we're we're literally recording this Tuesday after the Windigo episode comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, or came out. Uh, and that was our best twenty four hour download ever. <laughs> so it's growing fast, and we just want to th- we want to thank oh you guys. God. We want to thank all of you, and we want to give an extra thank to the Patreon people that mm-hmm. are extra supporting us. They get extra content. They get first dibs on meet and greets, uh, special T-shirts, and stuff like that. And giving us the motivation to keep doing this. Yes, it definitely has been a big part to have. We have a lot of people that are very supportive in our group and have a lot of fun with, and that helps mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, Ralph, we just opened his. He sent us a care package today of amazing baked goods, cookies, corn, a very heart, bread. Yeah, a very heartfelt letter, and an amazing book full of his own notes. Yes, and I can't wait. We were already reading them a little bit. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, next little front of house thing is t-shirts. We still have t-shirts available. We have our season one. We have all of our season one designs available as t-shirts. Um, it'll be a little bit before the season two ones come out because we don't even have all of them out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just season one. So the Bigfoot, the Dogman, Sinkle Sam, the Atmospheric Jellyfish, and the Frogman. Yep, that's all of them. And then, yeah. So, and then upcoming shows... This doesn't matter because we tonight we're recording, but it'll already be out by the time you guys listen to this. But we're recording a podcasters panel with the Michigan Bigfoot Conference crew and the Bigfoot and Brews crew. So that would be uh, Josh with Hide and Seek Archives, Eric with Uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two twenty two Paranormal and Cryptid Creatures. Cryptid Creatures. Yep. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I was drawing the blank. I was I was having trouble remembering the last three. That's where I come in. But yes. The Michigan Bigfoot Conference is the last weekend of July. Mm-hmm. So when this comes out, it'll be two weeks away, uh, roughly. If you want to come hang out with us, message us first, you know, or just come see us, stop by the booth. Uh, but if you want to, we are going to try to maybe schedule a meet and greet, depending on how many people are interested, how many people should come that want to. So if you're interested, that, please message us on the Facebook. Oh, yeah, definitely. Send if us you, a message. We'll respond. Mm-hmm. One of us. If you have a story you'd like to share, uh, I can be on the episode. Uh, also, Facebook or email is the best way. The email is in the link below. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you just have a story you want us to share, like a listener submission story, just use the email below. It's the easiest way. And don't forget to like, you know, share. Like, share, subscribe. Helps S- us. Smash that like button. Smash that share. Skip the share likes. button across the lake. See how far you can get it. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it really does help. Um, and then I think I've never asked for this before. But ratings and reviews on your podcast app. Oh, yeah. Uh, that actually helps us get higher on the charts. And we like reading them. I, I do like reading them. Uh, but it does help us get higher on all the charts. So mm-hmm. it makes it easier for more people to find us. Gets us to spread our messages so, around the world. Mm-hmm. So it just helps us. It's free to do. It's easy. Just, you know, five-star review, please. Five-star or nothing is what I read on the podcaster help page. <laughs> five-star or nothing. Yeah, because it's like a four-and-a-half-star it might as well be a one. Really? Mm-hmm. Dang. With how the algorithms work. I can't stand algorithms. I know. Yeah, no. We should... Uh, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Remember, an algorithm is going to listen to this. Yeah, I know. I love algorithms. Mm-hmm. My, I'm going to name my first kid Algorithm. Algorithm. Yeah. Wober. Yeah. Uh, Rolls right out of the tongue. But yeah, so we have Michigan Bigfoot Conference at the end of this month. 
Um, once I, all the links for all these shows are on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest way to find them. If you go to the events tab, they should all be listed on there, and then you'll get all their information and stuff. Um, I we're starting a giveaway with the Bigfoot and Brews event. I don't know when if that that'll probably already be out by the time this episode comes out. Yep. Look at the Facebook page. So we have Bigfoot and Brews in September. Uh, we have the West Virginia Bigfoot Conference yep. in September. Then we got the Hocking Hills Bigfoot. Yeah, at the end conference. of September, beginning of October. Yep. Uh, then we have Crypticon in November. We're still not guaranteed vendors in that yet, but we but we will be there regardless. Yep, we're guaranteed to be there. And I think we're hopeful we're going to meet with Ralph, uh, and we're hopeful to meet some other people there too. Oh yeah, there is a bar. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I we were drinking last year with uh, Stephen that runs the South Carolina uh, Paranormal Museum, the uh, Mountain Monsters crew. I'm so lucky. I know it was a lot of fun. A lot of cool people. Uh, Crypticon's a, a very, very fun event. Very well uh, maintained, organized. Everything runs smoothly. I'm excited to go this year. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's, it's the big one. Mm-hmm. Never been. Yeah, I'm excited for all of them. Well, yeah, true. And that's enough of the front of house stuff, I believe. Unless you have anything. Nope. You sure? Uh, mm-hmm. Just looking forward to this, to this cornbread that uh, I know, Ralph I sent us. We'll eat it with lunch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. So now on to the episode. What is today's topic, Jay? Bum, bum, bum. Stone, are we doing stone apes? No. The Ape Canyon. Ape Canyon incident. Right. Where miners and Bigfoot fight it out. Ooh. Like fist fight? Uh, kinda. Uh, if you want somebody's head liquefied. Turn to mush? Mm-hmm. Bremer Portlock. If a Bigfoot punches you, <laughs> you'll probably become liquid. It, yeah, <laughs> become liquid. You, um, might, you might sublimate, actually. But no, Ape Can- the Ape Canyon attacks, the Ape Canyon, uh, it's classified as the Bigfoot, uh, like the Bigfoot brawl. There's all kinds of stuff that go along with the Ape Canyon. Um, and we'll get into the full story. Uh, but first, I'm going to tell you about Ape Canyon itself, the actual place. Okay. Uh, Ape Canyon is a gorge that runs along the edge of the plains of the... Of the Abraham, which is just the name of the area, on the southwest shoulder of Mount St. Helens. Bum, 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 bum. In the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. Bad Squatch territory. Yeah, but what else happened there? Um, the burned Bigfoots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when the, yep, when the mm-hmm. mountain blew up and military went in with a Bigfoot looking for... Survivors. And, sur- yep. Interesting mm-hmm. story. We'll cover that one day. Yeah, we'll have to get into that one. But the gorge narrows uh, as close as eight feet wide at one point. Um, the name uh, basically comes from the reporting counts for several ape men uh, well before the 1920s, which is when the ape man or when the attack takes place in 1924. Okay. Uh, so it was called Ape Canyon before that. Before that. Okay. So that's an important thing for the story because then people say, no, it got named Ape Canyon because of that incident. No, it was. Had, uh, there, I think there's a map from 1908 that has Ape Canyon written on it. Gotcha. So, so it, it, it had been Ape Canyon. There was always heavy activity of uh, what we call Sasquatch in there. Mm. Uh, the Native Americans is one of the, their spots where they pointed, like, yeah, that's where they live. Don't go in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew their stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so now it gets attributed to, to Bigfoot, as we'll get into. Uh, Ape Canyon was heavily impacted by the eight or the 1980s eruption of Mount St. Helens. Uh, adjacent to the Steep Rock Canyon is the uh, 
the present Ape Canyon Trail, popular with hikers and mountain bikers. On the side of the mountain is another feature named as Ape Cave. Ape Cave? Mm-hmm. wonder why it's called that. Because there's a cave at the mouth of Ape Canyon. Oh, okay. No, I, I think it's just from old history. That's where they were. You might be right, too. Like, it might just be the cave in Ape Canyon. Yeah, I don't know which one was named first. Right. Chicken the egg, yeah. The cave or the canyon? Yeah. (laughs) But for our first little thing is I have the actual newspaper article from the miners. Oh, okay. So I wanted to show you that. I need that paper back. All right. I just want to look at this photo. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. They saw mountain devils is the name of the article. With two uh, guys in old-timey garb. These are mountain... I mean, these are miners. These are... uh, Gold miners. Okay. Oh, yeah. You can tell in the photo. Yeah. I mean, these are rough and tough people. As we talked about uh, both on the Portlock episode, and I think it's come up a couple times, that especially gold miners were some of the toughest, roughest people on the planet. Uh, They were, I mean, they basically would go out for months and live in these areas. Well, yeah, they had to survive Mm -hmm. and work. It It was all like the experience. I don't know. It's not like nowadays... You know, you put your hours in, then you go home to your comfy little home, right. and, you know, we got, I don't know, a pre-made frozen dinner already ready for you, and I don't know, something like that. All right. You ready to get into it? I was born ready. Born ready. Was born ready. Yeah. Oh, baby girl, I was born ready. I'm trying to remember what movie. Oh, that's from, uh, I get that from Big Trouble in Little China. I was born ready. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Jay, you're like 50 years older than me. Well, you need to touch up on your... When movies were still good, you got to touch up in that era. Are we, are we a movie review podcast now? Yeah, basically from like anything from 1983 to 1996 or 7, a golden era of movies. I'll, I'll agree. There's a lot. There's. I'm not saying there's not good movies now, but there's a lot of movies then that... There was more hits. More substance. More hits. Yeah. Every movie was pretty much good. Not every other movie or whatever you want to go. They they touched We're your, not movie review podcasts. They touched your the heart a Canyon. little better. Okay, Ape Canyon. I was born ready. All right, so I have this listed as the pre-show. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, I forgot that part. What? We need a bum, bum, bum button. Oh, yeah. And I, need, I want the shotgun cock and more, too. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's like when, like when we did the Kexburg UFO episode with the yeah. ultra cheap kid. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be perfect. Yeah, because uh, that's a whole different meeting when you hear a shotgun talking <laughs> in the back. All right. So on a warm July day in 1924, five miners working on the hillside of Mount St. Helens stumbled upon something otherworldly: an encounter with a creature that defied logic and reason. A chance encounter with a tall, human-like ape man that stalked the miners, communicating with chest thumps and eerie whistlings. The eight men were, had been observed by the men a few days without their knowledge, or had been observing the men a few days without their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were like being, they were finding tracks following them. Like stalking, basically. Yeah. yeah. Only when one man spotted one of the creatures and he fired a shot did they make themselves seen. The incident of Ape Canyon was to be one of the earliest and best documented Sasquatch encounters in modern history. Mm. Until they see some of our interviews. I'll agree. Yeah. Uh, so that would come out. That actually comes out after this episode. Well, no spoilers. But yeah, the Wednesday episode for this week is epic. So make sure you tune in. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, so that's a little pre-show. That's a little preamble for this amazing event. Okay. Uh, but yeah, five miners go in. Um, 
keep on to that for later. Yep. Five got five go in. They they're being stalked by we'll just say they're stalked by so footprints right I, now. Yeah. At the beginning, which we're about to get into, it was really not being stalked. And we hear this a lot with modern Sasquatch encounters where they kind of just follow you through their area. Yeah. No interaction. Uh, I think even Tom Shea, when he uh, ran into Goliath, it's how it was. Goliath had just following him around, mm-hmm. just seeing what he was doing, because you're in their home. Exactly, yeah. Okay, ready? Yes. Fred Beck was one of the five miners that hiked up the mountain on that warm July day. According to him, the day started off like any other of their prospecting days. The men were up at the crack of dawn and usually worked until the sun began to set. On this particular day, though, one of the men had came across a set of odd footprints on a sandbar that looked at first to be really human. Uh, but as they got closer, they found and measured the odd footprints. They measured them at 19 inches long. Ooh, okay. Uh, and, and they were anything but human. They actually were looking at them, and they were weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more they looked at them, the more they realized that this isn't a person, even though it'd be a huge person. But it resembled a foot? Uh, like, yeah, okay. it was human-like until you looked at it. Right. And then we see that with Sasquatch tracks too as we have a whole room of what is believed to be real cast and i have one that's believed to be a fake cat like somebody made a fake yeah foot and then somebody cast cast it it, yes uh and you can see a big difference between what's said to be a sasquatch foot and what's said not to be or what to be a fake sasquatch foot and that yeah for one example it's a very obvious fake like i mean you can tell one of them is not like the rest, if that makes yeah. sense. Yep, yep. And they're all different. They're all very different. Yeah, but, but this all... one very is mm-hmm. very different. It's too clean. Yeah, it's very odd. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so they first looked, but as they got closer, they found and measured it 19 inches, unlike anything but human. Uh, preceded by their findings, uh, Hank ran back to the camp and informed the others that they had uh, they had come across this. Uh. He told them that he had found tracks on the sandbar in the middle of a small river, and the men had used, uh, or they'd been using to wash their belongings and get drinking water from. So this is an area they were hanging out in a lot, is this mm-hmm. little sandbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the men followed Hank back to the river and found the tracks were still there. They described the tracks as being 19 inches long, 4 inches deep in the sand. However, upon inspection of the area, the men noticed that there were only two footprints in the sand, and they were in the middle of the sandbar. So as if those footprints were made, they would have taken a huge 160-foot step to the middle of the sandbar. Wait, 100 and say that again? So basically, they only found two tracks. Correct. In the middle of the sandbar. Okay. The nearest part where they could have been from not tracks to tracks was 160 feet. 160 feet? Mm-hmm. So Hank stated, no human could have made these tracks. There was only one way they could have been made. Something dropped in out of the sky and then went right back up. The men were under the impression that whatever uh, large creature had made these prints, it seemed to appear and disappear into thin air. Hmm. Okay. It's very weird. So imagine an island in the middle of this river. Yeah. It is 160 foot anywhere to water. Mm-hmm. One track, one set of footprints. Hmm. That's odd. So were they just washed away? Were they actually older than the guys thought, and they hadn't noticed them yet? Yeah. And then the rest of them kind of were either destroyed from mm-hmm. maybe river water, you know, rising or falling, or was this the only spot in the sandbar that was soft enough for their tracks to develop? To leave a... But, but, this is not the only time we hear this with Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Is that random tracks? Uh, there was one trackway, and I think this is in Nevada in the mountains, that each track was like fifty or sixty feet apart. Oh wow! Okay. And they. 
and they were like double like rabbit. They think they kind of thought that the Bigfoot was rabbit hopping, and they were able to jump that far. Mm, okay. Or that you know when we talk more about the woo of Bigfoot. Yeah. That's... Were they interdimensional or they phasing in and out, and that just happened to be where his full mass was here. Because there's a story I just read about um, a guy finding tracks in snow, and he followed them, and then they got to a certain point, and they just stopped. Yeah. Kind of like in the movie The Shining when the, he's going through the um, the little hedge maze in the mm-hmm. snow, and he's following his footprints. Then he realized he just walked his own footprints back and jumped out of the way. So when he followed them, they just ended. But it's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. But then in that same story, it's probably been like, I'm trying the timeline, probably been a year or two after he made those initial, he witnessed something, a Bigfoot basically materializing right in front of him mm. and walking and then dematerializing and going away. So could this be an example of them doing that? Like being in yeah, an energy yeah. and then materializing to stop to leave footprints and then moving back on. Who knows? So but. here's my thing is I don't know what the sandbar is made of as in consistency of substrate. Okay. So is it mostly sand where it would be really, really easy mm-hmm. to leave footprints? Or is it stuff like mostly cobble and there happen to be sand strips in it? Right, So you yeah. literally get these patches where footprints could actually be seen. Not saying there were footprints all over the whole thing. But you don't really leave footprints in stone. Right. Like stones, I guess. Yeah. In the cobble, you can, but you don't see them. Mm-hmm. You're, they're not sticking out with your eyes. There's no indentation where to tell you, oh, there's a footprint there. Mm-hmm. there. There is a footprint there. It's just super hard to see with the naked eye unless you are physically looking for it. Right, yeah. And even then, it's you know it's very hard to find. So that's just one thing. You know, It just struck me as, keep in mind, this is 1924, and this is a common Bigfoot thing seen today. Yeah. It's Definitely big, overlap. Yeah. And we're... That's there's a lot of it. Not good. We like stories like that. So yep, back to Ape Canyon, Washington. Okay. So according to Fred, uh, what really had put the men on edge were the surroundings where they were starting to hear in the woods uh, during the day, uh, after their or in the during the days after the discovery, these loud thumping sounds echoed through the forest as if somebody was beating on their chest or on a deep drum. Mm. Uh, so that was bugging him, and I read at first they. Some of them were thinking it was Native Americans, uh, which weren't present very well in that area anymore. Yeah. Um, it was just weird. They, it was, like I said, it was something weird happening that was putting these men on edge. And then the, uh, these sounds followed by loud, shrill whistles, uh, whistling like noises that made the uh, experienced miners shake in their boots. Uh, they would say it was haunting cries, something like a banshee, uh, bone chilling. Literally, uh, death follows cut this, uh, this noise. Yeah. Uh, hmm. They described the whistling. Uh, it started as like one spot and then whistling all around them, like they were encompassed and circled. Um, sh- sorry, where was I? They tried the whistle about. Uh, coming from one ridge not too far away, one, uh, one only to be answered by another whistle right behind it. Basically, so yeah, just these like, like there's multiple creatures standing around them whistling at each other. And he said it seemed to be obvious two-way communication. Okay, like they were calling back and forth. Yeah. And uh, Fr- uh, Fred said it was like they were keeping tabs on him. Mm, okay. Like three of them over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of deal. And we, again... We've heard stories yeah. of that before. Yeah. Or speculation. Speculation, definitely. But mm-hmm. it's a biological behavior that we've seen in observable animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not far off to place 
co- documented biological behaviors on a speculative creature. What kind of animal, like birds and stuff? Like would birds do that? are a big one. Apes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, apes are a big one. Apes do it too. Yeah, uh, mandrills. I know mandrills will do it a lot. They'll whistle. What's a mandrill? Uh, they look like baboons. Okay. So okay. the thing that people mostly call baboons are actually mandrills. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Didn't uh, know that. The really colorful faces and the bright behinds. Okay, the big red butts. Yeah, and the big blue faces. Okay, yeah. That's oh, a mandrel. Rafiki. That's a mandrel. Is Rafiki a mandrel? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Not a baboon, even though everybody calls him yeah. baboons. Yeah, exactly. Okay, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, uh, I've read about stories like in the Congo where the, they'll use the bird and stuff. Um, the birds will communicate to the people hunting. Yeah. And they'll yeah. tell them, like, something's over that. here, something's over here. Yeah, there's a lot with interspecies communication, but I think here is just more of these... Uh, they're keeping tabs on these guys as yeah. of now. Right, yeah. Uh, so back to Fred and his gang. Uh, they were too frightened to go out alone. Uh, Hank asked Fred to accompany him to a nearby spring to refill their canteens. As the men were approaching the spring, Hank yelled and pointed his rifle into the into the trees at a certain distance. Then when Fred saw, or then Fred saw a tall. Got to turn the page. <laughs> Suspenseful moment. I <laughs> uh, saw a tall, hairy creature. Uh, coming out of the trees. It stood next to a pine tree about 100 yards away from them, on the opposite side of a small canyon. According to the man, the creature quickly dodged behind the pine tree, poking its head out on the side uh, from time to time to see where they were. Mm-hmm. So we have this tree poking again, mm-hmm. which we... Common, common. common behavior. Uh, Hank shot at it. Fred could see that the bark was flying off the tree as the bullet had almost hit the creature. Standing to be about seven feet high, seven feet in height and covered in a black brownish fur, uh, the creature jumped from behind the pine and ran down the canyon. It ran upright and at an incredible speed, only to disappear out of the men's view within seconds. Fred had also shot at it, but was unable to see whether it hit the creature or not. The two men quickly uh, made their way back to uh, made their way back to camp and told the others of their encounter. All the men agreed uh, that the incident, along with the footprints, was enough to convince them uh, to pack up and head home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were uh, they were to leave the following morning, since sun had already began to set. If only they had knew what awaited them that night, they probably would have left the mountains in the same evening. So, right there, there that's the first little bit of conjecture with this story. Okay. Is that it's reported that they didn't know if they hit the creature. Another one was reported to say that Fred had actually killed it. The second shot had hit it in the eye, and it dropped. Oh, wow. And it actually fell into the bottom of the canyon. Okay. And we're talking about a real canyon. Yeah. Not like the little ravine that these guys were hanging out in. This was the opposite canyon. And so I always, I kind of think he shot it and I always felt bad about it mm-hmm. and changed the story to me. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to tell that part of the story. And yeah, because we'll get into it. They regret shooting at this thing pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, but what's your thoughts so far? Um, a lot of common behavior from a lot of different stories. Mm-hmm. That's what struck me about this. Yeah. Is it, keep in mind, this is all reported newspapers in 1924. Mm-hmm. The story was set in stone before the Bigfoot phenomenon got big again in right. the U.S. Yep, yep. Um, so this is stuff that's being reported today by these people that... Most people don't know about this encounter, as in till recent time. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about all of our 70s and 80s and 90s sightings when this was really, really wasn't known. Even they're reporting modern behaviors. Basically, mm-hmm. when the internet started coming around, this this information was more accessible. Right. So right. So the story became more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And like 
the guy that we read his story, uh, Colt, I think was his name, mm-hmm. um, talked about through looking through his gun sight, seeing whatever it was leaning out from behind the tree, you mm-hmm. know, just making almost making eye contact with him. But same sort of deal. And a lot of stories of them just leaning out, watching you and poking their head out from just behind the tree. Mm-hmm. But not many stories of people taking shots at that. Well. There's some, but not a lot. Because a lot of people don't. You surprised because I've started our next Bigfoot episode already for research. And that will be, I'll spoil it here for anybody that listens this far into this episode. Oh, It'll be the time that people have claimed to kill Bigfoot or Bigfoot Ooh. bodies being found. Mm, that's That'll be a In good honor one. of the new stupid thing Coyote Peterson did. We won't have to discuss that. I'm mad at him. I love that man. I thought he was doing great work, and then that just... We'll, we'll save that for another day. Mm-hmm. It's time to deal with the devil he did. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to go back to camp, the camp in Ape Canyon. Uh, the camp included a few small tents, uh, a pine log cabin that had been built by miners in the past uh, few months. Basically, like what these miners were doing is that they'd come up for a couple weeks in line and go back in. So every time they were adding on to this wooden pine cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did have one kind of small cabin built. Um, I've read different dimensions of it. I'm not sure we may get the dimensions here at some point or not. Uh, it's not a very big cabin. Yeah. I'm picturing actually the size of the room we're in. Okay. Uh, Just a little shack in the woods. Basically to keep you from bears from meeting you at night. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they were built for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably, you know, 16 foot by 16 foot. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less for five men. You know, just enough for you to sleep on the floor. There's a wood stove. Yep. That's that's a good life. That's pretty much it. And that's all you needed. Yep. All right. So, yeah. Uh, it wasn't much, but the cabin offered the men some shelter from the elements and at and some degree shelter from the unsettling things that had been befalling them on this expedition so mm. far. So, the, yeah, the men at this point were not sleeping in their tents anymore. Right. Uh, before they'd shot at the creature. They just weren't because it was getting weird at night, which another thing with Bigfoot, when they start getting very vocal and very active at night around you, it's very scary. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. Oh, man. So the evening of the encounter with the humanoid creature, the men sat around the fire, uh, smoking their pipes and discussing their plans to leave in the, fall, in the, in the morning. Oh, so the night grew cold and so did the darkness. They decided to turn in uh, for some much-needed rest. Not long after they'd uh, fallen fast asleep, a loud, wall-shaking thud made them jump to their feet. Something hit the side of the cabin with enough uh, force to knock loose the chimney. And, uh, yeah, it's knocked force that it knocked loose the chimney, which clanked down along the cabin lo- like logs outside. It fell? Yeah, they knocked the chimney down. Oh, man, okay. So this is a uh, brick chimney at this point. Yeah. But you can just hear it, the chimney bricks just falling apart, hitting the side of the cabin. Jeez, okay, that's some force. Yeah. And that's so, I've heard him slapping houses and trailers and stuff like that. Slapping normally, vehicles. Normally, it doesn't start this hard. Yeah. This seems to be directly mad. Like yeah. Very, very irritating. Aggressive. Yes. Um, normally, it starts off more playful, small rocks and stuff like that. But yeah, something had hit, hit the side of the cabin, the force locked the chimney loose here in the bricks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, allowing them, so basically, it knocked a little hole out where the chimney was, where they could see out into the woods. Oh, wow, okay. So now the cabin is not fully sealed. Right, you yep. You can see outside to see what's coming for you. But yeah, so they're peeking outside their cabin where they heard footsteps and unfamiliar grunting sounds all around them. 
like a dozen people were outside from all directions, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, talking to each other, talking. To, yeah, it's like. Oh man, yeah. If you, you go back to our uh, sounds of Sasquatch, yeah, there you go, and you'll get a good example of what you're hearing the samurai chatter. Yeah, that's scary stuff. Yeah, that's oh, scarier than any of the yells to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it means you're dealing with something that's smart enough to know how to get you out of the cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so through the holes, Hank managed to catch a glimpse of what was making the horrific noises. He only managed to see uh, three of them. However, given the noise and communication, the men believed there were more than three ape men type creatures outside the cabin. Wow. Uh, I read he thought there was over a dozen. Oh, my gosh. So I, going back to if he did hit or killed that Bigfoot, mm-hmm. the family unit could have, if we believe they're in smaller family groups, mm-hmm. could have gotten everybody like a from Mount St. Helens. Direct... Uh, retaliation, basically, mm-hmm. for this. Getting everybody like, hey, you know, even though if they're not in the part of that family group, hey, a guy killed one of us. Right, yep. So I got the local Bigfoot community up in arms. <laughs> there you go, yeah, yeah. Um, so instantly, boom, another hut rock hit the wall. Boom, boom, a few more times. Dang. They're starting to get pelted with these boulders the size of bowling balls. Uh, so not, that's everything I've read it's trying to describe. These are not small things that are hitting the wall. It sounds like cannonballs mm-hmm. are hitting the walls. Uh, they even starting to see some of the, the wood beams flex. Oh my. Yeah, this would be, ex- this is probably one of the most frightening stories so far. It gets weird. It gets worse. Uh, Hank pointed his rifle through the opening between, uh, between where the chimney fell. Um, and then he just starts shooting out into the darkness. The creatures fell silent for a bit. Uh, the footsteps stopped as they, uh, and as did the rock throwing. Although, shot, or so another shot rang out, only to be answered by more silence. This was only temporary, though. Another rock hit the roof of the cabin, and with a tremendous force. This was the biggest rock of all so far. Uh, some they kind of described this being the size of a, uh, oh gosh, a headstone. Oh my gosh! Okay, I, I'm just imagining the force, it t- the strength it takes to pick. That Imagine throwing a headstone and to throw it, yeah, mm-hmm. onto a roof. Uh, so yeah, it was then uh, Fred said that the group that it would be a good idea to only shoot when the creatures attacked, so they would not realize that the men were only shooting to defend themselves, and that they would uh, stop their attacks, uh, stop the attacks basically from happening. So he's like, okay, don't just keep shooting randomly. Mm-hmm. Make them think we're only going to shoot them if they come back here. Yes. So he's realizing these things are not dumb. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So this worked for a few minutes, but then the taxi continued. There was more heavy thuds on the roofs. That, so this last heavy thud was the biggest one of all, So uh, once again, so far. So big, they were like, uh, they, they think one of the things is on the roof. Yeah. They think a Bigfoot's on the roof Just now. Just jumped, jumped out of there. the tree or jumped out of the mountain. Uh, so a Bigfoot had managed to climb up there. Hank shot a 30-30 Winchester... And the bullet went through the roof. Then he heard the creature jump off the roof and come around the front of the cabin to be joined by the others. That's when the front door began to rattle. So, yeah. They're looking for ways in. Right, yeah. They went to the roof. Uh, he shot a 30 through the roof. Nothing. And he heard it jump off the roof. He yeah. missed it. Yeah. And then it comes. To, it starts shaking the door. Right. You imagine... You imagine that? I can. Well, yeah, I can imagine that. It's... A, a giant jumps off the roof and starts trying to get in the door. Yeah, I have to change my shorts immediately. So they were trying to break in. The men pushed back, jamming the door uh, with a long pole in with uh, one of their bunk beds. The creatures pounded on the door so hard the men thought they were just going to break through at any time. Hank shot at the door, and uh, the pushing and pounding stopped. So once again, thirty thirty through the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
in there. I have a picture of Fred with his the gun he used. Okay, hold on. Spoiler alert, Fred survives. Oh, wow. That's a, okay. Like a, what was that, a rifle? Like a Winchester rifle? Yep, a Winchester 3030. Mm, okay. Uh, so, quiet and stillness once again fell upon the cabin. The men made sure that the door was properly jammed before moving away from it. They put everything in the cabin. In front of that door? Yeah, everything. I would, I would too. Uh, it was then when they all saw a long, hairy arm reach through one of the holes in the wall and grab the handle of the nearby axe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you know how scary that would be? It's like Jason... Uh, it comes in so slowly. I'm, and they're just watching it. Yeah. And it grabs the axe. How does it know to grab that, too? I think it was just grabbing anything. Whatever. I think the axe just happened to be close to the hole. Yeah. M- mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred quickly grabbed the axe head and turned it upright so that it would get caught between the logs. So mm. basically he just turned it so he couldn't pull it pull out. Pull it out, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hank uh, then shot straight into the hole, and the creature dropped the axe and pulled its arm back out. Well, yeah, he hit that one. Yeah, I, I think so. It was one of the most frightening experiences of the night the men uh, could later recall. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like think imagining Jason uh, reaching through the cabin mm-hmm. window, like to grab literally an axe. It's like a scene from a movie. So the attacks uh, against the cabin continued throughout the night, not to the same degree. But, uh, but by the early hours of the morning, the attacks had dwindled down to rocks being thrown, followed by a few whistles here and there. Hmm. So basically, him shooting in the hole and probably, we're going to assume he hit one. Yeah. And that's when the attacks slowed down. Okay. Uh, they backed off. It was just more, again, rock throwing uh, from a distance. They wouldn't get close to the cabin anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time the sun began to shine over the mountain peaks, the attacks and noises outside had completely ceased. Uh, the men waited. They waited inside till full daylight, and once they felt safe enough, began poking their heads outside. They looked around and saw small rocks strewn around the cabin, all the way up to a rock the size of a tombstone. Yeah, that's gigantic. Um, and there was uh, and all the signs of activity, like footprints, but there was no signs of the creatures themselves. Until moments later, Fred looked up at the bordering ridge and saw one of the creatures just standing there, about eighty yards away. Looking down at the men, Fred raised his Winchester rifle one more time, took his time to aim, and shot three times, hitting the creature several times as all watched it topple over and fall down the cliff, down to the gorge, hundreds of feet below. Mm, so he got this he one. He killed another one. Wow. So, so far, I think Fred's killed three of them. Okay, three or two? Well, I think he killed the first one. Yeah. And then he shot that one in the armpit. Yeah, he Which, probably just hurt that one. I, I think, no, I think it went right through his lungs. Oh, you think so? Well, you think about your armpit... It's pretty easy to get to your vital organs. Yeah. You're hitting everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I should shot this one a lot. Well, yeah, you saw this one fall. But yeah. Which is not described very often. Mm-hmm. So, so far we know he's hit. It, they've shot two or three of these things. Mm-hmm. Whether they're dead or not, it's a different question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the escape. from. So before we move on to the escape, what do you think of so far? And. S- a night of insanity. Crazy. Yeah. That, Some of the most frightening. That's uh, a campfire story, basically, right there. Like, a very frightening one. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not a whole lot of stories of them being hyper-aggressive, you know, right off the rip when they're having a, kind of their first experiences with these things. Yeah, so we definitely have peaceful encounters mm-hmm. until he shot at one yeah. and possibly killed it. And that's what I'm thinking. He probably did... Even though the story doesn't 
want to reflect that, you know, that he killed that first one, but he at least hit it. I think they hit it. I'm leaning towards he probably did kill it if they're if they're all there acting this aggressively. Because normally, if there's there if there's that many, you hear stories of just mostly intimidation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's what this, this was. Is all out, no, this is all out aggression. Well, yeah, like they're getting in, they're trying to get in the cabin to get these guys. This is intimidation times. This is I think 100. you're right. This is aggression, not intimidation. Yeah, yeah. At this point, yeah, this is full on. You know, this isn't just rock throwing. This is M. Actually, they broke the chimney off. They're reaching inside, like, jumping on the roof and grabbing an axe. Yeah, grabbing an axe. It sounds like a cartoon, but like a Bigfoot with an axe will be our uh, next cover art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, that would be the pretty scary combo. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like the video of the chimp with the gun. Yes, <laughs> it's even now a Bigfoot with an axe. And then <laughs> he shot one in the night. We assume he hit it mm-hmm. because it was pretty much he shot point right, blank right above its arm. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then he shot ag- again three times of thirty thirty at one at a ridge about eighty yards away. Yeah, falling down to this giant gorge. That's insane. So they obviously, I'm sure, didn't follow up finding that one that fell down, did they? No, they're trying to get out of here. Yeah, I would. And too. We're gonna talk about the escape next. And if yeah, I bet the escape had to be even extra scary. Post haste, post haste, my good man. It <laughs> right. is time to get out. So I have a picture of how steep that gorge is. Oh dang, that's a deep hundreds cut. of feet. Yeah. Immediately straight wide. down. Yeah, it's not very wide. Hundreds of feet, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So once the men had uh, seen the creature fall off the cliff, they decided it's time to make a run for it. Let's get out of here. Because now they're going to be even madder. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. Right. <laughs> yeah. They left all of their equipment and, behi- and uh, belongings behind. Basically, if it was, they weren't holding it and it wasn't on them, it stayed there. It's Yep. Uh, they took what they had in their hands and yeah, and on their backs and made speedy trek back to uh, Hank's Ford. So the truck is down the mountain. Okay. Uh, which had been parked miles and miles away from the camp in Ape Canyon. The men eventually made it back to the, the Kelso, Washington, which is, I guess, the little town. Okay. Uh, when they were able to tell their friends about and their families about their horrific ordeal in the mountains, the attack left the men shaken and confused uh, as to what had what they had come in contact with that night. Uh, not uh, not to the same degree, but in the early hours of the morning, the attacks had dwindled down to the rock throwings, uh, followed by a, f- a few whistles there. So they were just they were just telling everybody like, "Hey, it's crazy. It was hard, and then it fell off." But by the t- you know by the yeah, that's pretty much that. Okay. Um, but so they made it back. Yeah, they made it back. All of them. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so they were asking questions to themselves. What were those creatures? How did they manage to actually? Ki- had they actually managed to kill one of them? Or there's some people saying that Bigfoot will act like they die. Like if you shoot at them, they'll just drop. Mm. So you don't shoot them again, mm. or shoot at them again. Okay. Uh, like playing possum. Yeah, basically, because they they probably witnessed you shooting deer and stuff like that. Yeah. So they just they know just to drop so you don't get shot again. Yeah, because you're not gonna fire again at a deer that's already been downed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the men made it back to the Washington Mountains. Or the men made it out of the Washington Mountains and escaped the so-called Mountain Devils. That's what they kept calling them. Mountain Devils. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, as with many other cases of the unexplained, they soon found themselves under uh, scrutiny by the press and the public. Reports from Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington soon paid the men a visit, wanting to know every last bit of detail information that uh, they had was about this supposed attack of these giant hairy men. Ooh, you think one of the questions were... You have any nitrates in that cabin? You gotta drop that. All right, you're gonna ruin it. I'm sorry. It's for an upcoming episode. I'm hinting. I'm hinting. This is dramatic irony. So as the weeks passed and the reports spread, 
Fred found himself going back to the mountains in search of evidence. He took with him two reporters and, detect- and two detectives from, the, uh, from Portland, uh, retracing their steps in, uh, that him and the others had taken. Fred managed to find the creature's tracks near the campsites. Uh, much to the reporter's delight, they managed to photograph the tracks and added the, uh, credence to the men's story. Mm. And there's a picture of the track. Oh, let me look at this real quick. And it's these big splayed toe tracks. Oh, yeah. Spread out wide, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting, okay. And large. Very big. It's probably about, well, that one's probably the 19-inch one that we're yeah. talking about. It's pretty big. He said, however, he was unable to find any remnants of the creatures that he had shot and witnessed falling off the, the edge of the cliff. There were no bodies, no traces of anything falling over or into the gorge several hundred feet below. In fact, the mass of footprints, uh, the photographers was the only solid that was photographer they took pictures of was mm-hmm. the only solid evidence that they managed to obtain from their expedition back into the Ape Canyon. The miners word against the skeptics. Why would they have gone to all this hassle of being ridiculed and bringing attention to themselves for such an incredible tale? Mm-hmm. It wasn't for fame or attention. The men simply wanted to get it off their chest uh, about their harrowing events and that took place in that July evening. Yeah, it's not something you just want to keep in your own brain, your own heart forever. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty um, traumatic experience just to hang on to. I know I'd want to tell somebody. If I'm trapped in a little shack, getting pelted by tombstone-sized rocks and hairy, tombstone-sized rocks and hairy arms reaching through the wall, that was the scariest bit. The hairy arm, because it was like slow, and <laughs> like it was being sneaky. I think it was like trying to grab one of them. I really do. Yeah, I think if it would have touched person, oh, it yanked just him, him through. Yeah, yanked him through that small hole. And because when he grabbed the axe, it was still being really slow and deliberate. And the other guy just kind of grabbed it and turned it a little bit as he was pulling it out. Hmm. So you just couldn't pull it out. Yeah. Dang. Either that or the the uh, doorknob shaking and jiggling. That would have Yeah, no, me they were literally too. trying to get in the door. Yeah. Imagine that door pff, kicking open and you see yeah, whatever's behind it. Uh, a dozen Bigfoot coming to shred you. <laughs> Was it five guys you said in there? Five. Yeah. Just imagine all of them shrieking like <laughs> girls. Like <laughs> These giant minor men that were not scared of pretty much anything anything yeah i would assume yeah they punched a bear to death the day before exactly and then this happened (laughs) eight foot tall ape men ripping the door off the hinges yeah i would have done soiled myself and that's why you always build the doors to open inward and not outward correct in every private residence Mm -hmm. that's true you know why too right so they can't rip the door out it's harder to rip the door out if it's the hinges opposite true you know why they're opposite in public buildings? Mm-mm. Case of a fire, all public oh, that places sense. have to open outwards. So it's easier to open. Yep. Can't pull it back mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. the crowd. So, yeah. What do you think about the Ape Incident Canyon? Frightening. Or the Ape Canyon Incident. I could speak right. That's the one word that comes to mind initially is frightening. It is a terrifying encounter. Yeah. This is like when you make them actually mad. So this, my favorite thing for this was like, this shows you that they're not your friendly, friendly forest giants. Yep. I like that saying. Uh, they're not. They are. They will turn on you in a dime. They will retaliate. I really think if they had got it open or caught one of these men, they'd have killed him instantly. Right. Especially they'd have shredded him. Especially if you shoot, you know, brother Jim in the eye. Like they were. This was a lot. Yeah. And it's just like uh, I don't think any of the men after they originally told their story ever talked about it again. Yeah. And that lends credence that they did not want the fame for this. They were just... Right, yeah, yeah. They come down so shook, and they told everybody, and they're like, oh, crap, we shouldn't have done this. 
Yeah, you should. Yeah, especially when you're met with a. Fred was the only one that would go back to the place. Yeah. Hmm. And he only went back because he had uh, the detectives, he had police with him. Yeah. So he had protection. Mm -hmm. But he knew what he was getting himself into, though. The other guys wouldn't go back. Right. Yeah. It's pretty shaken up. Mm -hmm. The other guys wouldn't talk about it anymore. Fred was the only one. That's why Fred's known. He has pictures of it. He would talk about it later on in life a little bit more and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Would you go back if you were? No. Not at all. Even if you had. Because they know you. Whoa, the apes? Yeah. Or whatever they were. Yeah, you shot at three of them. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I'm surprised he's the one that went back. I think it's... I don't know. He just seemed to be the one of the group that was willing to mm-hmm. talk about it still. Sounds like and it, he yeah. wasn't super willing to talk about it. He just happened to be the one... I guess someone had to. Yeah. And I think he I think he really took it to heart that nobody believed him. And I would, too. I would, too. And the other guys were just like, that's fine. We're done. Yeah, you'd be the guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe he was doing it for them, too. But, yeah, frightening. That's the one word that comes to mind. Uh, yeah, I, I myself, I want to see a Bigfoot. I want to see... Not like that, though. Not like that, exactly. Yeah, don't shoot at one. I mean, no, yeah. I, I already feel like I have that knowledge not to. Yeah. And I don't really want to. But only shoot so everybody at home listening only shoot at a Bigfoot if you are pretty sure it's going to get you. Yeah. So one thing with Bigfoot is they sound like in most cases before they are actually going to hurt you, they psych themselves up. Mm-hmm. Like they do the bouncing and stuff like that. They're working themselves up. Shoot it then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't shoot it if it's just like, huh? If it's not making any aggressive things, yeah. I guess until it's charging at me, I would probably never shoot one. Mm-hmm. But even at that point, I'm probably done as it is. But still, like this whole this whole story, this whole encounter, I don't know. I don't know. I, it would be something to experience it. Like it would be a once in a, obviously once in a lifetime experience. But we talk about that. Like some of the Bigfoot reactions actually on this week's Wednesday episode, this week's interview episode mm-hmm. uh, specifically. We talk about the kind of the two main ways that people deal with these encounters. Mm-hmm. And most of the men, except Fred, had the, I never want to talk about it and never go back in the woods again. Mm-hmm. These were hardcore minor prospectors. Like, these guys would, you know, like, literally, they were around grizzlies constantly. It's a different breed than most people today. Yeah, and they would not go back. They were yeah. done. They were all done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's saying something there, especially this era of people. Would it surprise you if I said this is an Ape Canyon's only incident of possible harmful Bigfoot activity? I would no, it wouldn't surprise me. I'd say it earned that name for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, what about after this incident would surprise you more into modern days? It wouldn't surprise me at all. No, like nineteen sixties. Ooh, okay. Why is there a story? Yeah, I have a little more for you. Not just the Ape Canyon incident. Okay, when I was doing research. I came across. There's some weird disappearances in that in same Ape Canyon. In okay, on Ape Canyon Trail. Oh, okay. So once again, throwing back to Bigfoot with missing four hundred one, this may be one of the areas where it's more prevalent than others. Oh, all right. It seems that maybe this family group learned that people were bad news. Yeah, stay away. Oh uh, no, full on aggression. Oh, just going to attack them. Mm-hmm. Okay, like they don't give you the benefit of the doubt anymore. Interesting. That kind of deal. Okay. So yeah, we're gonna talk about. Just some weird stuff. Uh, so the disappearance of skier Jim Carter. The headlines of the story, man, are of the Margin Devaport of Oregon Journal uh, staff writer. Uh, in August 1963, uh, issue of the Longview Times. Oh my gosh. 
this is just how this is a rich people newspaper. Okay. And how they write stuff. Uh, but yeah, basically, the Ape Canyon holds unsolved mysteries. It contains in the following text. So this is a uh, an uh, a paragraph or an uh, adverb from the actual article. Okay. Uh, so Carter's complete disappearance is still an unsolved mystery to this day. And once again, Carter was a skier in the area that went missing. Uh, declared by Bob Lee, a well-known Portland uh, mountaineer. Uh, Dr. Otto Trott and Lee Stark and I finally came onto the conclusion that the apes got him. So these researchers were like, the apes got him. He went he went to an area he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So I finally came to the conclusion the apes got him, said Lee. Seriously, the only way down the mountain, he, uh, he Carter, left the other climbers at the landmark called Dog's Head at 8,000 feet above sea level. He told them that he would ski around to the left and take a picture of the group as they were skiing down the uh, the timberline. He then was the last, or that was the last anyone had ever saw of Carter. Hmm. The next morning, searchers found the, uh, the the discarded film box at the point where he had taken the picture. From here, Carter uh, evidently took off down the mountain uh, on a wild, death-defying dash. So the course he took, they found his trail. The course he take was taken was uh, really bad. Mm-hmm. The article says uh, taking chances that no skier of his caliber would ever take unless in a terribly wrong situation or were being pursued. Pursued. Keep in mind though, there are grizzlies in the area. Yeah, and I showed you a video of a grizzly chasing a skier. Yep, and they had no idea. Um, he jumped over two or three large crevasses and eventually was uh, going down the de- or going down like the devil. When Carter's tracks reached the the, the side of Ape Canyon, uh, the searchers were amazed to see that Carter had been in such a hurry that he went right down the steep canyon wall. He skied off the canyon, mm. uh, but did not find him at the bottom. When uh, with combined uh, the canyon one end to the other, uh, so they basically searched. They searched. They searched. Uh, they searched days this can because they had to be down there they found his ski tracks that just went off the right right they found it going down into it yeah uh sometimes there were as many as 75 people in the search party after two weeks of searching they called it off another article of the same author in the same paper was titled legendary mount st helen's ape man called legitimate this covers much of the same ground the third article of the same author monster sightings and ape or, uh, mount st helen's hairy ape man um, an employee at the ranger station stated later that he had a lot of fun there uh, with he had a lot of fun with a foot form from the time to time he left his imprint so basically he was making fake footprints oh okay what for what reason just screwing with people oh okay because there were search parties and mm-hmm. stuff yeah but yeah there's a couple people that disappeared but this that guy a uh, carter mm-hmm. disappeared very very weirdly as yeah. being pursued and went down the mountain no body no blood no ski gear that's kind of strange you would think maybe you'd at least find a crash site if or something. he was attacked by a grizzly bear mm-hmm. there would be a, a evidence of predation at the bottom oh yeah there would be a bloody mess yeah grizzlies are not known for clean eaters <laughs> right they'd tear into them and just chew them up there yeah. so it's weird yeah what do you think about that it's strange that um, that his he they seen the ski tracks leaving the area because I would almost imagine the thing would have just snatched him up then and there. So I'm guessing he was running away from it. Obviously, I wonder if he just hit the ground and crashed and died right there, and then they picked up his body and 
moved, I think that's what happened. And moved it out, and then that's it. But what's even more kind of crazy is that they had a lot of people in the search party going up and down the canyon, and you would think some of them would have at least heard something or gone missing, or maybe there's just so many people they... That's what I think is it pushed them off. Uh, yeah, there's they, literally so many people they knew they couldn't do anything. So they just didn't even bother to throw stones mm-hmm. or nothing at no. them. No, no, it's too much people. Like you said, uh, I know in another earlier episode, you kill one human and the rest of us are like ants showing mm-hmm. up yeah. to the area. To... I think most Bigfoot know that. That Yeah. That's why you don't mess with people. Right. It's because it's never one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you kill one, More the hundreds, hundreds show up. Right. Yeah, it'd have to be a very special person for no one to show up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's not. I mean, they exist, sure, but not too many of them around. I don't think. So I th- I think this may be an example of uh, more... And there, there's other disappearances in this area. There's stuff I couldn't find more. That Carter is one of the more famous one Because mm-hmm. he was a well-off skier. Okay. Had some money. Gotcha. So people were looking. Yeah, people... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm connecting the dots there. Yeah. Uh, they were looking a little harder than they may have because they spent two weeks. And normally it's three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for three days in the cold, it's a dead... Presumably you're, a dead body. They look in the spring. Yeah, exactly. For the snow melt and the mm-hmm. the bodies arise. So yeah, what do you think of it as a whole? What do you think about this area? Um, Mount St. Helens. It's on Mount it, St. Helens. Yes, very. Uh, seems very active area. Seems like a little. Um, what's not a gathering point, but just a home, a home point, a home base for some group of big. I would say Bigfoot. At this point, I'm guessing it's a Sasquatch, Bigfoot type creature, unless it's. I mean, but... They see him a lot. I think yeah. it's Bigfoot. Yeah, I would think so, too. I was just saying, what if it is like another monkey? It could be a monkey, like tribe or whatever, a group. Just we don't know of You're yet. ignoring your buddy. Which one? Batsquatch. Okay, well, we didn't talk too much about it flying, though. Yeah, it's not Batsquatch. Ah, I didn't is, think it's so. It's weird that there's other... Cryptids there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm mean, sure there's a cave system all in throughout Mount St. Helens. And then when the the mountain went off in the, what, the 80s? Yeah, I think it was early 80s, right? 83 or something like that. I'm just going off the top of my head guessing, but I don't know for sure. I'm looking, everybody. 1980. Oh, 1980. All right, yeah. Good call. But yeah, so after the mountain went off, pretty much all of it stopped. Uh, Then the bat squatch was the only guy hanging around. Hmm, Interesting. Well, yeah, because half the mountain got like the landslide and just... And then destroyed the rest everything. Of the is gone. Yeah, it's leveled. still not healed. recovered. That's forty-two years later now, mm-hmm. right? Is that math right? It's still struggling. Yeah, that uh, was a pretty intense moment. That's a big. It was a big eruption, a very powerful eruption. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of ash. I mean, feet feet of ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's. I think it's a true tale of what happens when you happen to cross a Bigfoot in the bad. In the bad light. Yes, there you I go. I think it happens. I think it's rare. Mm-hmm. I think it was definitely a very provoked attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they shot one. I'm sure there's other areas, too, that are like little points of interest for them, where if you go into, it's bad news. Yeah, but it's normally really small, not a whole canyon. True, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then normally, normally, even in the Pacific West, they'll push away from you. Right, yeah. If they can, they'll ban in their area not to have a confrontation with you. Mm-hmm. This seems that they caught one, uh, probably a younger male, or you know, a younger one by the size. They shot it, or shot at it, and then it just got worse and worse. All hell broke loose. It just kept, it kept progressing worse and worse. And I wonder, 
I would like to, maybe if we can do some further study, figure out the origin of the name Ape Canyon, you know? It's a, it, Native American. I seen it. It talked about it. It was uh, the Native Americans. It was one of the places they were like, uh, I can't remember what tribe, mm-hmm. but they pointed at and said, that, well, that's where the ape men live. We mm-hmm. just don't go in there. We don't bug with them. They don't mess with us kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Should, should have heeded that warning. Don't bug them. Stay was, out of there. It was like the Oswald story, which is in a similar area. Yeah. Where this is like, oh, no. The, the Native Americans are like, oh, don't go in there. Yep. That's where they live. Yep. And it turns out they're right. Mm-hmm. Not like trying to scare them off so you don't go there. There's a city of gold there or something. There could be a city of gold there, but it happens to be filled with Bigfoot. <laughs> right. That want to kill you. Mm-hmm. Especially if you kill them first, allegedly. Yeah. I mean, they the humans, as far as we know, took the first, through the first punch. Yeah. Mm. Always a mistake. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But now yeah, that's a good, that's a great story a great reminder too mm-hmm. so now everybody at home knows the story of ape can the ape canyon incident mm-hmm. when bigfoot goes bad Ooh, that's a good e- Ooh, i used did a title oh yeah there you go i didn't have one yet when bigfoot goes bad mm-hmm. ape canyon or ape canyon when bigfoot goes bad bad boys bad boys what you gonna do what you gonna do when bigfoot comes for you <laughs> he's gonna turn your head to a puddle of goo goo <laughs> there we go. There you go. Uh, very reminiscent of Port Lock. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, another one that that okay. seemed Port Lock seemed to be one Bigfoot though. Yeah, or one small family like it could have been, a, but there was always the one big one seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this was the whole. It seemed all adults. Nobody said any small ones when they were looking out peeking. I read a couple side accounts from the other guys mm-hmm. that they were all about the same size. These you know eight to nine footers. We don't have a, a whole lot of uh, accounts of that either. Hmm. A whole bunch of adults. Yeah. Now, it always seems to be family units. So this seems like I really think that one Bigfoot, the, probably the dad or the mom of this one that got shot at or yeah. shot, told everybody on the mountain. Yeah. And they all. And then, you know, it was a collective threat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of scary if they can all band together. Kind of like us. We'd all just work together. You mm-hmm. know, just think of the things we could do, people. So I think that's pretty much it for Ape Canyon. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a really, it's a scary one. We'll have to post some of these pictures along with it. Yeah, I think so. I Definitely, the, we saw Mountain Devils. Yeah, post that on our Facebook page this week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check out our Facebook. All right, so yeah, check out Facebook, YouTube, uh, Patreon, uh, Instagram, Telegram. Telegram, oh yeah, it's, I'll do something with that. We have more than one, two followers. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, t-shirts if you want t-shirts email or facebook is the best way to get a hold of me and leave us a review if you haven't left us yes review. please like share comment yes subscribe subscribe review five all star all that share our like button and uh smash that all reviews right. i think that's enough promotion because it's making me sick yeah me too it's, uh but once again i've been the great and powerful mystery I, I it cuts off so fast i keep forgetting i'm the inner <laughs> I'm waiting for you to finish, <laughs> but that's it. I'm the interdimensional giant J. And together we are Cribs of Corn Podcast, where science and magical thinking meet. So we'll catch you next week with more strange and wonderful mysteries of this world. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode, where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. 
Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.